And I recommend a mini bat because even if you just choke up on your real bat, it might be too heavy for that weaker arm. And we all have a weaker arm. If you throw right-handed, it's your left arm. If you throw left-handed, it's your right arm. So essentially what we would do is an even amount of reps on my right arm and my left arm. And of course I was sore at the beginning because that's a lot of work, especially for my forearm and my bicep that were just smaller than my right arm, just naturally but we would do a ton of extensions. So one arm extensions with a mini bat forward. So working on trying to drive it right back to the pitcher. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Hey team, welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I'm your host, Ashley Agle. Excited to have you guys back. Man, after two inspiring and crazy awesome interviews, I'm excited to give you a solo episode this week. Um, Randomly at 2 a.m., I had this thought, man, I need to get on the podcast and share with my audience some of the softball hacks that either I've come across in person, like me and my family throughout my journey, in softball, from travel ball all the way to college and pro, to things and hacks that I found literally inside these Facebook groups, inside of like softball mom group and all these other things. So I've come across a lot of these and I narrowed it down to 10. And some of these have like A, B, and C options, but 10 softball secrets or hacks that I feel like the more people that know these, the easier and better experience we're all going to have in the game. So why not share them? So really excited. I also, I'm calling this 10 softball secrets because I made the mistake of asking my Facebook audience, um, what are your hacks, like your, your hacks that you wish more people would know? And literally hackers all over Facebook decided to click on every single comment and like share, oh, I hate being hacked too. Here's how I got help. Click here. Yeah, no. (laughs) So we're calling this 10 softball secrets, um, but really they're hacks. So we have specific hacks for pitchers, for parents, how to stay warm, and all of the hacks that it's so funny. One person on Facebook literally goes, I'm sitting here at my daughter's game. I'm freezing my tail off. And my advice would have a heated seat. So we're going to talk about things that people wish they would have or already have that have made their experience better. We also have tips for catchers, tips for those smelly socks, like how to make them smell better. Yes, we are going there. We are hitting all of the elements here in this episode. Okay, so let's get started. First of all, the biggest one that I see often is how to clean white jerseys. And not only white jerseys, but just white socks, um, white headbands, all of the things. And the first thing that came up for many people was this Fells Naphtha 
bar. It's literally a soap bar called Fells Naphtha. If you've never heard of it, I'm literally putting it in the show notes for you. I think you can go to Amazon and get it. And the encouragement is buy this in bulk because they're running low in stock. But apparently this bar works wonders. My mom never used it, but I'm telling you people all over Facebook are like, use this thing. The one thing that comes from me is, so when I played pro, we were in charge of washing our own uniforms. And those of you who play, you know, D1 college, like I spent those four years, like literally handing my jerseys in and the people downstairs, uh, Beth, or she was the best. She would take care of our uniforms. So I never knew how to clean them. Um, and then we're playing pro and we have white uniforms and we don't know what to do. And somebody on the other team that we were playing against was like, Hey, go to like your typical drive car wash thing and go to one of those like private spots and get the power washer and just pour soap all over your Jersey and then power wash your whites. And I'm telling you right now that did wonder. So you can use the Fells nap, the bar, or you can use whatever. Um, but power washing was like seriously amazing. Even for our white socks, um, it got everything out. So for those of you who are like, how do I clean white jerseys? I hope those two things help. And like I said, you can find the Fells naphtha in the show notes. All right. So this is number two. This is from the mom that was literally sitting in her cold chair saying, get heated seats. Okay. So these are for the cold weather sports, uh, or the cold weather States. Um, those of you in California, Texas, I don't know if you have to deal with this that often, but heated seats are a must here with my fans in the Midwest. So literally I was like, where do you find these heated seats? Like I've never heard of this before. Never knew it was a thing. So Ideally, I, of course, looked on the internet and found a few. They're kind of expensive. They're around $200, but they have some from Cabela's, so they're made for like camping. But literally, the tail end and the back side of the seats are warmers. So if you're that person who's typically so incredibly cold during these games, that's an idea. Also, for the cold states, um, apparently there are heated jackets and vests. Again, I've never had them, but people talk crazy cool things about them. And then the biggest one of all, which were not really a thing when I played, were the pods. So these pods are essentially like these plastic, um, I don't don't even know if they're plastic, I don't know what they're made of, but they are these, I'm trying to find the word, guys. I'm trying to find the word. They're these tents almost that you put up and they're just pods for like one person, maybe two people, I don't know. And I'm sure they're tough to assemble, but it takes practice to get them open. Um, but essentially you can put one of those pods up and then maybe put a heater inside and you don't have to deal with the wind and it's just warmer in there. So it contraps the heat. So if you are interested in these pods, I found them (laughs) and I put them in the show notes for you. Um, this would be a huge investment for my family. Probably we wouldn't get it, but those of you who are like, yes, this is happening. I'm sick and tired of these games, the heated pods, like, let's just talk about it. I think it can keep out rain too. So if you want to avoid that. All right. Sticking with the cold. This is my last one for the cold. Number three, hand warmers. Okay. So obviously we know the ones that you can crack open and shake and it'll warm up and you keep them in your pockets because if you take them out, they'll get cool faster. But if you keep them in your pockets, it'll insulate the pockets and keep them warm. I use those in college ball. I use those in travel ball. I use those all the time um, and they work wonders. But apparently there's an electric rechargeable one and they last up to like 14 hours or something. 
Um, I looked these up. They're on Amazon. And they might be on a discount right now, but depending on when you're listening, they might not be. But I think I saw them for about $24.99. Try to get the two pack because obviously like you don't just want one, you want two. But they are extremely awesome. So you just charge them and then you turn them on and they just warm up. And obviously you have control over when you want to turn it on, when you want to turn it off. Unlike those, you know, ones you just pull out of the bag and put in your pocket. So honestly, I wish this existed or I knew about it in college um, because my hands were always freezing. I literally played first base and, you know, I don't have that many options to throw the ball, but I literally remember a time where we were playing at Tennessee and it was the coldest game I can remember right now. And I had to make a throw from first to second and I could not feel my hand whatsoever Thank goodness for muscle memory because I threw it on a dime, like literally to second baseman. And I was like, how did I do that? I don't even know. Um, But in between innings, I had my huge puffy jacket. I had my little hand warmers in my pockets. But those are ones that like, no doubt, if you don't have hand warmers, you need them. You need them. And maybe it's just because my hands went through so much in my experience in softball. But hand warmers and get the rechargeable ones. I feel like over time, that's going to be cheaper than buying all these little packets. Like when you go through an entire box for a weekend, that can add up. So these rechargeable ones seem pretty legit. All right, going away from the cold, this one I came up with specifically for hitting and potentially throwing here. But my dad and I, we grew up like trying to find tools around the house to help me with my swing. Probably a big influence on me becoming a college coach was this. We'd literally like find drills on the internet and be like, oh yeah, we have this little tool in our house. How about we use it? So I'm giving you four different tools that you might have in your garage or your house that can help you with hitting or throwing. Okay, so it's going to help your game overall. So number one is a Frisbee. Okay, and I'm recording this on another device, so you can probably watch me there. But a Frisbee is pretty sick because when it comes to hand path in your swing, obviously hitters are told to be at palm up, palm down at contact, which essentially means your top hand is palm to the sky at contact. Your bottom hand is palm down so that you can be able to whip those wrists to and through the ball. Essentially, that was definitely a quick ballpark version. Um, But if you have a Frisbee, Essentially, when you throw a Frisbee normally, you're snapping your wrist to try to make it spin, right? And that, if we create that wrist snap in our swing, we're creating that whippiness and that strength through the ball that we want to create. Because a lot of hitters, what I see is they get to the ball and they come right off the ball and um, they pull and their misses are tending to pull to their um, you know, the third baseman if you're a righty or the first baseman if you're a lefty. So if you find yourself doing this, Here's my little tip for you. Grab a Frisbee. How can I say this? Put your bottom hand on top of the Frisbee and your top hand on the bottom of the Frisbee. That sounds so confusing, but essentially you're going to be in that palm up, palm down position. Start with your hands in their normal position, drive your elbows to the pitcher and try to snap that Frisbee straight in front of you on a straight line. So if you're in a cage, try to make it travel. If you're outside, try to make it go straight. That's really going to help you with obviously your hand path and your elbows working, but also getting to and through the ball. I said this is going to be a short version, and of course it was longer, but if you have a Frisbee, that can totally help. And if you don't have a Frisbee, I'm pretty sure you can find one for like 50 cents at Dick's, okay? Um, Number two, this one's for throwing, and I've seen pitchers actually use this as well, um, but a hand towel. So obviously you don't want something like as small as just like a face towel, and you don't want something as large as like a 
a huge like beach towel. So something in between. So a hand towel is probably a good size. Um, but essentially you just hold one of the tops of it and I'm going to try to do my best because this is a podcast and there will be a visual somewhere else if you want to refer to it. But essentially same thing with our swing and having our wrist snap. Well, we want our fastest release point, um, in our throw to be out in front of us. So there's a lot of people that teach throwing and what they have their athletes do is they stand in a very athletic position. They pull back kind of like they're taking their their throwing hand back behind them and their elbow is kind of reaching back and then they take the throw and you want that snap to be out in front of your body. A lot of people that throw and athletes that get elbow problems, they're throwing from like the side of their body instead of snapping in front of their body. So feeling that snap and feeling that whip to throw or to snap the towel is essentially what we kind of want to create in our actual throw. Now, I was a pitcher in high school. I'm not currently a pitcher, but the same kind of deal applies when you're trying to release a pitch. So when you're a pitcher doing a windmill, you want the snap to be at the very bottom part of your windmill. So right around right around your hip is where you want it to snap. So I've seen pitchers literally like hold, again, this is so hard doing this in a podcast, but they hold the towel like above them with both hands And what they'll do is if they're a righty, they'll like feel the resistance in the pole at the top. And then when they let go, they'll snap that towel down to where their release point is and try to make that snap happen right at their hip instead of behind them, which a lot of pitchers do, or a lot of pitchers release and have their snap out front, which that makes the ball go up. So you want to try to find that release point right by the hip. So it's a really good tool for you to kind of find that release point. I've seen Tony Paisley, and she's all over Instagram like crazy. Uh, but Tony Paisley, she's a pitching coach out in California. She has used this towel technique before. You may have to do some digging, um, but she's one of my favorite references when it comes to this. Her and Amanda Scarborough, they have a ton of tips on this, but I've seen this for overhand throwing on a lot of baseball accounts. But let me tell you, like, if you research hand towel throwing technique, I guarantee you're going to find it really quick on YouTube. So that's number two. Okay, number three is one of my absolute favorites. Um, I've shared this story before, but the chuck it. Okay, most people have this tool for their dogs, um, rightfully so, uh, because your dog is your best friend and you want to be able to launch that ball as far as you can. Except for me, I have not, I have a little bit of an ego when it comes to my throw. So I'm gonna, when I'm at the dog park, I want to use my own arm. Um, but some of you might have them. And essentially what a chuck it is, it's like you put a tennis ball in this little device and you throw it overhand and it just literally launches a ball without any effort. And what I was taught at a Notre Dame camp when I was growing up, because that was my dream school, was to go to Notre Dame. We used these tools, and they were the longer versions, by the way, if you're looking them up. And we had to use one arm snaps. So we'd have to take a swing with this chuck it and try to get that tennis ball to go directly up the middle. Now, it's probably the hardest drill I had ever done at the age of probably 12 or 13 at this clinic. And it was a miserable 15 minutes in this cage, let me tell you, because every single one of us in this cage was sucking at this drill. Like all of us were our snaps and where that tennis ball was going was literally to our opposite side because that means we were essentially our wrist snap and our barrel path was snapping at extension 
a little early. And so that might be what you do many times. But essentially, I have this whole write-up on the Chuck It and how great I believe it is in a blog post on my website. So I will obviously put it in the show notes, but I have an entire blog post on how this dog toy can help you. And if you don't have it, it's literally $12 on Amazon. Um, And I I recommend getting the longer ones so you can create more of that whip. But essentially, it's working on HandPath. And let me tell you, this is my moral of the story. I really sucked at that drill the one year, and I knew I was going to go back to Notre Dame the next year. And lo and behold, that drill is in one of the cages. And the next year, I absolutely crushed the drill because I spent the entire year between clinics making sure I was getting good at that drill. And it was incredibly hard and frustrating, but I worked really hard on it. And it was really an essential tool for me to help with my swing. Um, So thank you, Notre Dame, for making me suffer, but also showing me what grit looks like and getting good at it. But this tool is amazing for hand path. And you might have it in your house right now. All you need is a couple tennis balls and the chuck it. All right, last and not least, number four in tools you might have in your garage, maybe your old t-ball bat, okay? A lot of people, they use their t-ball bat, they give it away or they forget about it and it's literally in a tiny cupboard in their garage and you forget that it exists. Um, But same thing, I had hitting lessons up in South Bend and we used mini bats almost every day for a long period of time. So I was originally a right-handed hitter and I moved to the left side. So I threw right-handed, but hit left. So my back arm, my left arm was so weak and it was obvious. Like my right arm tried to do everything and I was yanking and rolling over early because my right arm was so dominant. Remember, I'm a lefty hitter. And it took me a long time to gain strength and camaraderie between my arms. And we would do so many one-arm drills with a mini bat. And I recommend a mini bat because even if you just choke up on your real bat, it might be too heavy for that weaker arm. And we all have a weaker arm. If you throw right-handed, it's your left arm. If you throw left-handed, it's your right arm. So essentially what we would do is an even amount of reps on my right arm and my left arm. And of course I was sore at the beginning because that's a lot of work, especially for my forearm and my bicep that were just smaller than my right arm, just naturally but we would do a ton of extensions. So one arm extensions with a mini bat forward. So working on trying to drive it right back to the pitcher, drive it right back to the pitcher. Um, So a fun little set, if you really wanna work on one arms, which I think everybody should, literally big leaguers are still working on this to work on their hand path, but you can start with like five balls on your right arm and start off the tee if you haven't done many of these before. Start off the tee, do five on your right arm, do five on your left arm. Then the next set, do four on your left arm, or four on your right arm, four on your left arm, then three, three, two, two, one, one. And that's a good set. And then you can take a little break from that. And if you feel like you wanna add some more reps, then you can move to front toss, which I will warn you right now is so much harder than the T. So parents and athletes, before you get frustrated because you swing and miss at a ton of these, that's completely normal if you've never done one arms before. But I really encourage you to spend some time doing one arms. So if you have your old T-ball bat, or if you wanna go by Dick's and just grab like a cheap one, you don't need an expensive one, just a small mini bat to work on one arm path. Um, and then you pair that with, you know, picking up your bat and then holding it with two hands and doing extensions. That's, you're really gonna put the whole gang together and you're gonna be so proud of your hand path, especially getting to high and inside pitches better, low and outside pitches better. 
it's all going to get better. So if I can recommend any of these the most, it's probably the T-ball bat. If you haven't noticed, fall is here, which means winter is even closer. And we just added a few warm things to our empowerment gear, which is the gear that we have for the podcast and Ashley Burkhardt training. Not joking, as soon as I'm done recording this, I'm going to head there and purchase for myself a crew neck, um, which we've never had before. And this was Haley Cole. Shout out to Haley Cole. She used to work for us. Um, she was like, Ashley, you need a crew neck. So we actually have a when the cleats come off logo times the ABT swing logo on the front of the crew neck, which is perfect for this cozy season we are headed into. So I'm going to get myself an extra large and cozy up this winter. If you are interested in adding some softball or when the cleats come off gear to your wardrobe, go ahead and head to www.ashleybtraining.com. Click on the tab in empowerment gear. And when you check out, make sure to put in the, the very end when you check out, type in podcast 10, that's one zero, P-O-D-C-A-S-T one zero at checkout and you'll get 10% off your order. And if you want to go back in later and get more, you can still use that code. I just want to thank you so much for being incredible listeners of the show. And I'm excited to give you this gear so you can, you know, rock something that you enjoy. All right. I promise numbers five through 10 will go much faster than we got through four, but pitchers. Okay. So like I said, I did not, I did not pitch in college or pro. But a lot of my teammates, because they were putting in so many reps in college and pro, they would get like little like tears in their skin on their fingers and it would be really, really, really painful for them. And I would see some of them between innings, like literally putting glue on their fingers. Now, if I'm not a doctor, so like there might be a doctor listening saying that is so terrible. <laughs> I don't know. But literally I've heard of um, like at this point, literally hundreds of people, pitchers that have done this. So they'll put it on their thumb or their index finger or whichever fingers are like really irritated and feeling like their fingers about to rip off. They would put like glue or super glue on their fingers and it would obviously like reduce the amount of tension on their fingers. But obviously for those that are in youth ball, like I hope you're not ripping your skin that much. I literally heard of a pitcher that pitched four games in one day. Don't recommend that for anyone. Um, I know there's special circumstances, but like that over time will lead to one burnout and two injuries. So I hope you're not pitching four games in a day and where this is happening, where these tears are happening. But if you do find yourself here and you need a little bit of a tip, glue or super glue is a big one. Pitchers, a couple more of these. So some of you may struggle with ripping shoes all the time because you're pitching on the grass, you're pitching on concrete, you're pitching inside. Like you might be going through through shoes so fast and it's really irritating, especially for parents who are literally investing in so much, so many shoes. I have some tips for you. And this came from Facebook as well. I did not use this, but I believe it's called tough toe. And what tough toe is, is essentially um, like rubber that they'll put on your shoe. Obviously you need to designate this shoe to pitching, um, but they put rubber on the back foot of your pitching stride. Um, so when you're hitting the ground, you're literally going through rubber. So it's not breaking your shoe. A lot of people swear by this. Many people that I grew up playing with had these on their cleats. I did pitch a lot in high school and I had ringer shoes. Um, I am not sponsored by ringer. I don't get commissions on anything um, that they create, but I know Monica Abbott uses Ringer and she likes it, 
But Ranger shoes also have some of that rubber on their toes. And I think they have just the rubber on both toes, so they don't have to worry about picking one. Um, but those are really good for me. They obviously work for Monica. So Ranger shoes, if they have them in turfs and I believe cleats, uh, if you can't, if you're, if you don't want those turf or tough toe is obviously an option here, but I'm trying to give you guys all the options. So, um, you can find what's best for you and your budget. Um, cause I know this sport is so expensive, but ring your shoe, tough toe, um, stop ruining your shoes and let's use them. Last one for pitchers. Um, make sure you're wearing a jacket between innings when it's cold. Like, I think this is like an obvious one for some, but it might not be for everyone. Um, and don't feel like you're being tough by not wearing your jacket. Like you need to stay warm between innings. And if your team decides to put up five to 10 runs in an inning, you've been sitting there cold for a long period of time. It isn't, it's not going to be good for you the next inning. So make sure you have a jacket, put some of those heated, um, hand warmers in your pockets and just chill. Okay. Your job is to stay warm between innings. Obviously, if you get cold, like go warm up a little bit more. If you have time, like with a spare catcher or somebody that can catch you, but make sure you're wearing a jacket. If you have gloves, put them on between innings. Like your job is to be hundred percent when you go out there. And if you get cold, you're losing some of your juice. All right. So wear your jackets and wear your gloves. By the way, that one came from a pitcher from Austria who is a professional pitcher for Austria. Um, she said, Hey, make sure you tell pitchers to do this because it's overlooked. So that one came from across the pond for some of you. Um, all right. So that's number five, number six, this one, I was, I was curious if I should add this one, but I think it's really important. And what I believe helped my dad who coached me for almost my entire career, he always knew the rule book. And if he didn't know the rule book, he didn't argue calls. Like if he did not know that that was specifically in the rule book, he as a coach did not argue the call, but he really liked knowing the calls. And sometimes he would call umpires out for not knowing the rule book. And now I'm not saying know the rule book so you can yell at umpires. I'm actually going to talk about umpires here in a second, but know the rule book coaches, especially so that you know what you, what you can argue and, and you know it like the back of your hand, have it with you coaches. And I advise parents this is actually Bradley from Facebook who advised parents to know this, but like parents, especially make sure you've read the rule book because a lot of times you can get frustrated and not know that like, that's just how the game goes, or that's just the, the call that was supposed to be made. But I think it'll kind of just help ease the experience through the game. Just knowing the rule book as a player. And I will say, I don't even know all the rules, but when I am a future parent sitting on the stands, or in the stands, I might have a rule book with me and be studying the game too. Um, it, de it definitely doesn't hurt to know the rule book. All right, coaches, number seven, you guys are going to love this one. And if you haven't started taking notes, now's your chance. So pause me if you need to go grab a notebook because Tom from Facebook was like, bro, this is my biggest hack. And so many people after Tom had said the exact same thing, he has a bucket that he keeps in his car all year round, and it has all the supplies that one might need. Now he's a coach, so he has some things that maybe parents don't need, but he said he has a bucket with all of these things in it. A screwdriver, a glove repair kit, because you never know when you're gonna need it, obviously first aid kit, hand warmers, extra blankets, and other XYZs that as a coach, he knows that he's been bit in the butt by not having some of these things. Now, 
more parents later were like, hey, other things you might need, bug spray, sunscreen, aloe, hair ties, Advil, eardrops was dropped in there. I don't know what I'm missing, but you might need some eardrops. Mm -hmm. But hey, if you know that you don't want to leave the house without this thing, well, just have some spares in a bucket or a bag in your car at all time, and you'll probably end up saving the day for so many people and not just yourself. (laughs) So I love number seven, um, coaches, parents, I guarantee you're going to love this one too. So that's a really, really good tip from Tom. All right. Number eight, we're getting on the um, psychological side now. So the mindset part. So this is one where I've learned through the game that when I went through something and found myself on the other side of something hard, like I got through something tough. When I got, when I, someone came up to me and said, Hey, like great job. And like would give me a high five. That was like enough validation for me to be like, keep going. Like, I'm not alone here. Like they're on my side. And I think high fives are underrated because I actually did some research on this. Um, So at pathologystudent.com, there was um, this research on how your brain releases a hormone called oxytocin. And that when it's released, it's literally like the happy hormone and it mediates trust, connection, it eases pain and depression and improves performance. So literally a hug or a high five, like these are things where like you're immediately feeling better about yourself. And through a day and age where literally depression, anxiety is at an all time high, not just in sport, but beyond that, high fives literally go a long flipping way. That same article said players who made contact with teammates more consistently and longest tend to rate highest on measures of performance, and the teams with those players seem to get the most out of their talent. This makes total sense. So I think of like the top teams to ever exist. Like for me, I think of Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. If you watch The Last Dance, you'll know what I'm talking about. The amount that the players and coaches just loved each other and would give each other high fives and like would hit them on the back, like, let's go, like excitement. That is literally energy passing from teammate to coach to teammate to coach to teammate to teammate. And that is energy that it really leads to momentum. I mean, we've all had literally instances where we've played the game and, you know, one person gets a hit and then another person gets a hit because everybody in the dugout's like cheering for each other, giving themselves high fives, looking at each other and like their eye contact says it all. And same thing with like, so I'm a Cubs fan. Like if you think of the 2016 team that won the World Series, like you saw that. And this is why I love Athletes Unlimited. People are hitting home runs, they're going nuts, they're giving each other high fives, chest bumps, all this stuff. It really goes a long way. So when it comes down to it, parents give more high fives to your kids. And I know they might be at a point in time where they're like, that's lame, but like it really does go a long way. It makes them feel like you're in their corner. And that's so important. Coaches, give more of these. If you give more of these, your players are going to give more of these. And that's energy and momentum that your team is going to have to go win some ball games. So totally worth it. High fives, they go a long way. Literally, I ride a Peloton. And it, what's cool is they have this feature where you can give high, high fives to people around you. And it is like a burst of a good hormone. Like, yeah, let's go. I'm not by myself. I'm working hard with other people. 
it's a thing. So don't forget to give out those high fives. All right, number nine. This one's a big one, catchers. Catchers, I'm looking out for you. I learned this when I used to do Jen Shro catching camps out in California. Um, and also when I traveled with the package deal, if I was working with the catchers, this is a huge one. But literally the amount of times I have seen catchers shake hands with umpires and the umpires having this mutual respect for that catcher behind the plate. It is the coolest thing, first of all, because that catcher is literally saying, I'm a leader on this team. Hello. I'm about to spend a lot of time with you back here. Like, let's, let's have a great game. Do you know what that says to the umpire? This kid means business and they're, they probably, they can't have favorites, right? But they may favor calls towards you simply because of that act. And again, they're, they're not allowed to do that on purpose, right? But naturally, if somebody gives you a compliment or somebody gives you like a, hey, I see you, they're going to probably lean towards your way. So catchers, be kind and respectful to your umpires. You may get more calls and it's going to be a lot more fun of a game. Coaches, you can do this too. When you shake that umpire's hand, mean it. And if you have respect, obviously that doesn't mean coaches, you can't argue calls. I just said my dad used to argue calls all the time, but they'll have more respect for you when you do argue that call. If you go up instead of bashing and shaming that person saying, Hey, like, can we talk about this? And like have just like a man to man, woman to man conversation, whatever. Like that's where this game needs to go. And frankly, a lot of umpires are quitting (laughs) A lot of umpires are quitting because they're being berated by too many coaches and parents and some players, actually. But catchers, this is your time to shine. I was actually, I don't want to say friends with umpires, but in college ball, I had my favorite umpires. I had the umpires that like we'd look at each other and have this mutual respect. And I'm not saying I cheated, but I tended to leave a little early sometimes on the bases. And again, like I'm not saying they let me leave early because they know me. No, but I had a respect for them. And when I left early and they called me out, I nodded my head because I knew I was early. But I left early a lot of other times and wasn't called. But it's just a mutual respect. So not only catchers, but all players, coaches, parents, it's not your job to argue calls. Um, if you're not on that, on that uh, in the dugout, you should not be arguing calls. Um, again, another reason why we should know the rule book. But these are all specific things that you know, can just help this game grow because a lot of umpires are leaving. And if we are respectful to umpires, I kid you not, and I say we, all thousand of us who are here, whoever listens, if we do this, there are more umpires that are going to stay in the game. And the more umpires that stay in the game, the more umpires we get and the better umpires we get. And umpires and good umpires are hard to find right now. And we know that, but it's really important to respect them. It's really important to just like know that we're all here for a game. And that can go a long way. All right, I saved the best for last. Smelly socks. Okay, so if you have smelly shoes or socks, I did because I played basketball. We need to have a conversation about this. I literally looked at this softball mom's Facebook group and so many people were talking about this and here are like five different ideas that people come across. Um, One of them is specifically mine that I used to do and I especially played basketball because I'm a big sweater. And for some reason, my basketball shoes always smelled bad and my socks always smelled bad. Um, Same thing with softball though. But here's a tip, change your socks between every game. So I know this is not financially okay for everyone, um, but I kind of wish that I had like four pairs of every sock so that I could just like take my socks off, 
put them in a duffel bag or some sort of bag that'll hold in the stink and then put on the new sock and have a fresh pair of socks. There is something pretty amazing that I never really knew about, um, but somebody said, if you can afford it, grab extra socks. All right, second, take your shoes off whenever you can. If you keep your cleats on between games, shame on you, because you're literally going to have a stinky car on the way home and you are going to reek. So a lot of people have Crocs, Birkenstocks, whatever shoes you need to do to aerate your feet. Maybe take your socks off and then, I don't know, leave them in the, oh, this is the next one. Leave them dry in the sun. So leave your shoes and your socks like drying in the sun and they will stink less. I promise. This one was from basketball. My dad played college basketball, so he gave me this one. But if you have newspaper just lying around, waddle up that newspaper and stuff it in your shoe. I don't recommend reusing the newspaper, but obviously newspapers have a lot of pages. So stuff that newspaper in your shoes. It's going to really kind of take in that stench and it'll definitely work for yourself in the long run. Um, I love that one. That's the one we did. It's the cheapest option probably. All right, next one, never leave your shoes in your bags. Literally, you are asking for bacteria to just literally spread around all of your stuff. Nobody wants that. So never leave your shoes in your bag. Always have like a, maybe a little duffel bag or handy bag that you can put your shoes in, especially when you're traveling home and you don't want the car to smell. Take your socks off, put other socks on, put other shoes on, like just, just help your car out. Cause I know I didn't, I would just hop in that car nice and smelly. And we all were kind of just used to the smell. Don't recommend. Last one. This is actually from my husband. He uh, played college golf and he said he used to get the Dr. Scholl's spray. Um, so I think you just like put it in your shoe and then press a button and it like sprays it throughout it. So that's a really good recommendation for those of you who want like something to just smell good. Dr. Scholl's spray. I'll make sure to put that one in the show notes as well. Keep your smelly socks, <sighs> unsmelly, and just try one of these. And seriously, I'm, I'm interested to know which ones you use. All right, that's number 10. So here's the deal. Obviously, there are thousands of hacks out there, and I only gave you 10 this week. So if you want to just like DM me some of your hacks, find me on Facebook, Ashley Burkhart Training. Find me on Instagram, Ashley B Training, wherever you like to hang out. Let me know your hacks and I will share them with our beautiful community of this podcast because I don't want anybody smelling like crazy and I don't want anybody not having hair ties in their bag and needing them. Like these are all hacks that came from you, you and my experience. And like, we are all in this together. And I don't think you'd be listening to this unless you wanted to make your athlete's experience better. So if you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with just one friend. That's all you need to do. One friend send it to them, tell them you love them, tell them you hope your experience is better because of this. Um, I know I wish I would have heard a lot of these prior to playing, but let's just all hold somebody else's hand and make this experience better for everyone. All right, that is the end of our episode. Thanks for hanging out with us today. And don't forget to stay awkward, stay humble and keep smiling. I'll see you next week, friends. See you later.